It's Baltimore, gentlemen. The gods will not save you. You're listening to Baltimoreans. We hope. The recording system's being a little bit weird. Home of the all-weather fan. <laughs> My name is Sam Dingman. <laughs> this is Alan Smith. Let's get stupid. Baltimoreans. Deep sigh. Hello, Baltimoreans. Hey, how y'all doing? How fitting is it, Smith, that um, uh, something that has heretofore worked very well is suddenly not working? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a, uh, well, you know, um, the, the baseball season is long, Sam. There are ups and there are downs. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, we haven't had a three-game losing streak since, since June, I believe. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and what a time to remember how to do that again. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad we uh, I'm glad we decided to do it now um, when everything's on the line. You know, that's that I appreciate that choice for my own emotional well-being. Um, thanks, Orioles. Listen, <laughs> Smith, here's a thought that I have not been able to get over. Um since the Tampa Bay Rays series began, which I think you will agree was a hundred years ago. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I have lived a lifetime in the last, what, um, 14 hours? <laughs> 14 hours or so, yeah. Okay. And I'm saying that I didn't even watch the game live last night. That I, I'm feeling this when all I could all I could do because of a combination of life circumstances and anxiety was just periodically check the at bat app on my phone. I don't even know how I'd be feeling if I had s- sat through that game. So blessings and I'll love to you, all of you who did. Not great. <laughs> <laughs> do you remember Smith, the humans that we were the last time the Orioles were playing meaningful September baseball? Um, I remember that we were um, the sort of humans who could spontaneously choose to um, purchase (laughs) (laughs) tickets and drive to Baltimore. (laughs) Yes, that is true. Um, The thing that I had forgotten is the entire lifetime that passes through your chest on every pitch when the game when the when you're watching games like this um or again in my case following games on game day (laughs) in games like this like the entire emotional journey and sense that your emotional well-being for the foreseeable future is is riding on a kyle bradish slider with a runner in scoring position times a hundred pitches that he's going to throw plus however many pitches uh, the relief pitchers are going to throw. And then like every time one of our guys comes up in a, in a position to do something and you're like, I like Gunner, I don't know if you understand how deeply I need you to come through <laughs> right now. I had, for, I had forgotten that feeling and I candidly thought, that I was going to be better with it this time around. And I'm not better with it. <laughs> no, I mean, you know, I, I think it's, 
for, for me, what I was noticing watching the game is this sort of like sign curve of optimism and pessimism <laughs> yeah. that is like, um, yeah. that was like at the, you know how the, the, the old saying is like, maybe this, maybe next year, like pitchers and catchers reporting to spring <laughs> training, like maybe this is it. Uh, even if you, you rationally know that there's no hope uh, mm-hmm. this year for your team, there's this moment of of, of spring optimism. Mm-hmm. I was doing that every Orioles inning. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was like at the beginning of every inning, I was like, "Yeah, oh, this is this is the one for sure, <laughs> absolutely, definitely, this is the one where these bats break out." And then we get the first out, and I'd be like, "Oh, okay." Maybe this is the one where we scratch out a single run and then another out would happen. I'd be like, okay, (laughs) okay, maybe next inning. (laughs) And it was just like, um, but it wasn't like, it wasn't put on. I really, I really was feeling this like, like complete faith that this would be it. And then complete devastation each time it wasn't. Um, And you know, we can talk and probably will about like wasting two amazing back-to-back Kyle outings. Um, we can probably talk about, you know, the, 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 the moment for the first time all year, maybe feeling a little bit too big for these doofus boy Orioles. Right. But right. like the, the overwhelming feeling for me was like, um, uh, like, kind of not even joking a little bit of pining for meaningless baseball like i know isn't that so dumb (laughs) it's almost not fun (laughs) like it it almost like it all it's almost like it i i i echo what you were saying like i was hoping you know i'm i'm 40 years old I have yeah. two children. Like right. I have other things that are important in my life that give yes. me balance and yeah. meaning. I have, I love my job. Like <laughs> why is it that every three outs, my emotional state completely changes? Like yeah. I, I almost feel like, you know, yeah, I almost, I, I, I almost feel like it's too much. Yeah. <laughs> I feel yeah. like, like, yeah. I feel like, um, this, I, the sports is the opiate of the masses. And I feel like I, my tolerance is not high enough for this opiate. Well, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, you know, it's so interesting. Like I had always, I have always interpreted that phrase opiate of the masses as like, oh, this is a, um, it's a, it's a false balm. You know, this is um, like in the religion is the opiate of the masses sense. Um, I've always kind of interpreted it as like here, you know, just put your faith right. and trust in this. It will give an explanation right. and order and meaning to your life. It will it will calm It'll you keep down you from rebelling. It'll keep you from noting the the big structural things that are arrayed against you. Yes, it will make you back away from the existential ledge. But I feel like what's happening <laughs> here is the reverse. It's like I am peering into the abyss yeah. on a pitch to pitch basis. Not- Maybe playoff baseball isn't the opiate of the masses. Maybe it's the uh, the the um, the speed of the masses, the crack cocaine of the masses. Some sort yes. of like intense upper. Yes, yeah, the meth. Like yeah. But but I, I think what you're pointing out is so important. Is like I don't know if you remember feeling this way, Smith, but like the last time the Orioles were a serious playoff contender, like 
Let, like, let's go back to 2014. You know what I mean? Right. We've talked about this on the show before, but I think it bears repeating, like, I didn't really have a lot going for me in life at that time. You know, it, it like, the idea that the Orioles might win and be taken seriously was truly an avatar for me feeling like maybe old Sammy will win one, <laughs> you know, <laughs> maybe, maybe old Sammy will finally get a dub, you know? Um, <laughs> and right, right. The, the playoff run was um, a bedrock foundational piece of, uh, of, of identity and, yes. and uh, life, life situation. Yeah, and just to be concrete about what that means, like, you know, a job, my, I was, like, about to get fired from my job, my relationship was going nowhere, like, I had gained all this weight, which did not feel good for me and my body, like, I, I was, like, 32 years old and, like, did not have a lot of direction, like, this it was like a real-life spiral happening, and now, to your point, you know, like, my version of like things going well in life, like the specifics of it are a little bit different than yours, but like similar to what you're saying, like I, I'm very happy and fulfilled in my work. I am very happy and fulfilled in my relationship. Um, I feel like, you know, the, the future feels bright. I feel like I've really gotten a hold on this whole adulthood thing. This shouldn't be able to stop me. <laughs> <laughs> this this dumb children's sport that is played yep. by like men who could be my child like Gunnar Henderson could be it like it wouldn't be can I can at, I put, a, can I put a, a pin in that can I put <laughs> yeah. a pin in that have you seen the pictures of um who, who is it it's um uh Jackson Gunner and um <laughs> yes, Heston. And Heston yeah <laughs> it's like any two of them are a perfect combination of the third right right yeah like, you could you could Michael match Elias up. definitely has a baby <laughs> baby face type but yeah i mean those people are those people are um bi- biologically very possibly our children <laughs> yes in terms of yes. age in terms of age not in terms of athletic ability let's be clear <laughs> right or in terms of um uh <laughs> promiscuity on either of our parts at the time during which that (laughs) would have to have happened. Um, But that, I guess it's just been, it's actually extremely profound, again, in the hundred years that have passed in the last 14 hours to realize that scared, (laughs) that scared, panicked what if, what if I'm not up for this life emotional orb is still vibrating inside me just it's pulsating just as hard as it was in 2014 like it actually hasn't changed in spite of all the other external factors in my life that have changed i still like my my chest actually hurt when we lost last night like it it actually hurt and here's the Stupid thing, Smith. Like, this is the stupid thing. And and uh, I want to shout out um, longtime member of Orioles Twitter, uh, Lila Shapiro-Sire. I, I hope I'm saying your, uh, pronouncing your name correctly, Lila. Um, who was just pointing out on Twitter basically a couple days ago that, like, no matter how much the Orioles win, 
you always feel like, oh, they're probably going to lose. Um, and, and I resonate with that very, very much. And what's crazy about the conversation that we're having is like, the, the odds are overwhelmingly in favor of the Orioles, not just making the playoffs, but winning the division. Still, even after last night. Like, if you look at the way the schedule is set up the rest of the way, the the way the Orioles have been playing versus the way the Rays have been playing, um, injuries, like, all that kind of stuff, the odds still favor the Orioles winning the division. They're almost definitely going to go to the playoffs. Like, they're, they're still definitively ahead of schedule in terms of the rebuild. The future is even brighter than the present. There are no... It's not just that the fundamentals of our economy are strong. Like, we are, like, <laughs> definitively a baseball supernova, Smith. Like, there's no way around it. And we have been the second best team in baseball by winning percentage for months at this point. It's not a fluke. We have sustained it. it like, <laughs> it, uh, Gunner is for real. Adley's for real. Grayson's for real. Like, Westberg, it, like, is for real. Like, this is a team of excellent baseball players who are coming into their own at exactly the right time. We are going to be very competitive in the playoffs, whatever seed we are. And yet it still feels. It still feels like that we don't, we are Orioles fans. This does not happen for us. And and I so, know it just feels important to point that out, like especially in an era when you know we have been late to the party of analytics, late as an organization, and as fans, like late to arrive at this notion that there are certain mathematical and percentage uh, and you know stat rate realities that if you just trust those things over time, they bend in inevitable ways. We're like, nope. Nope. <laughs> this is Baltimore. <laughs> this is Baltimore, gentlemen. The gods will not save you. <laughs> so, okay. So that's, I think, I think that's really interesting. Um, I think that there, so the, the fan base that I think that you're describing in some very real way is also, I mean, different moment, but is also the pre-2004 Boston Red Sox. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, where it's like, you know, no matter how close we get, no matter what happens, like something will go wrong and we will figure out a way to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. Yeah. Um, and, you know, maybe, the, maybe, you know, it, it will even, maybe the Orioles will win the next three games of this series and clinch the AL East um, with four games to go. And we'll still feel that. Mm-hmm. But then I know some Red Sox fans mm-hmm. and some of them after 2004, it switched. And then some of them never, yeah. Yeah. never got rid of this feeling. Like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. some of them actually a win did finally break that like mm-hmm. conception in their hearts. Yeah. Um, and for some of them, winning winning didn't get them there. And so I, yeah. I think that 2014 is a really interesting moment for both of us because in some way, um, our 
fears were proved correct, right? Like, like it, 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 there, there's this thing that happens where like, until you have the actual counter narrative of, no, it did work out okay, <laughs> none of this <laughs> is real. Like yeah. none of the things that you just listed off, all very demonstrably, you know, <laughs> accurate. Mm-hmm. Um, like none of it feels uh, like it will matter. And I, and I, and I think that like, um, yeah, you know, the, that is why the Batista injury mm-hmm. was so devastating to this mm-hmm. fan base. Mm-hmm. That was why mm-hmm. like the idea that Mount Castle, you know, there's a lot of people in my Orioles fandom life who are not even totally sold on Ryan Mount Castle. But yeah. those people flipped the fuck out when he hurt his shoulder. <laughs> All the same. Yeah. So yeah, it's like, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really, in, you know, like I think that 20, you know, the last time the Orioles were good, they weren't good enough. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think that that, because that is sort of like, yes, we can go back to a moment in our living memory when the Orioles were relevant. They didn't do anything to that team never did anything to dissuade the thesis that in the end, it wasn't going to work out. And um, in the end, it wasn't going to work out in very similar ways to this Cardinal series, mm-hmm. which is like, we got beat by the fucking 2014 Royals. That's a, that is a, that is like, that is the playoff equivalent of getting beat by um, a washed up Adam Wainwright and uh, <laughs> our former trade bait drew Rom. It is. It's the same fucking thing. It's like same thing. Th- th- this team has no right <laughs> to be the team that knocks us off our pedestal. God damn it. Right. Um, right, right, right. Still yeah. mad about the Royals. Apparently I didn't really realize that. <laughs> um, no, no, I, I appreciate uh, you invoking them so much. Cause I think it's so important to remember that it was I, like, I can't remember the number of times that you, Alan Smith sat on my couch um, bemoaning the quote, Babip bullshit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, you know, uh, whoever it was, I, who can even remember at this point, Alcides Escobar would like fucking doink. Fucking, uh, a- Eric Hosmer and fucking uh, yeah. Mike Moustakis when they were relevant. Yes. Yes, yes. I Also, side note, when uh, maybe the most gratifying thing to me about the Angels series was the utter neutralization of Mike Moustakis, who I know, like, is not technically a relevant <laughs> baseball player anymore, as evidenced by the fact that he is currently playing for the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. Sorry, folks, but Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, no, but, but, and, but like, I, I understand, I understand the, 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 incredible importance of this Tampa Bay series to everybody's emotional health. Like this is the second best team. This is the team that we've been neck and neck with all year. This is the other team that like could reasonably claim to be the like chosen one of the American league this year. Like Mm -hmm. they're young, they're interesting. They're also analytically very smart. They win run one games. Like they they are us. We are they. Um, Yeah. In many ways, we are modeled after them. (laughs) In many ways, we are modeled after them. Um, And, you know, you and I have talked about this, but it is very impressive what the Rays are doing after the Wander Wander debacle, after losing, like, their best pitcher. Like, you know, 
were it any other year, this is a team that I could really like and, and root for and hope to succeed. Totally. So totally. this is a big, important series for that reason. The Cardinal series was excruciating. Yeah. Like, we, mm -hmm. after, after four games in which we put up an average of like nine and a half runs, to lose one nothing on a game started by our prospect who we traded for a failure... Uh, <laughs> at, at the deadline. I'm sorry, Slash, Flurry. I hope you pitch for the ball tonight. Please, God, please, God, win the Adam pitcher. Jones game. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. It's so upsetting. <laughs> but, but like, like the Drew Rom game, <laughs> as, as it is unfortunately <laughs> being ensconced in my long term history, a day is, that will live in infamy <laughs> is exactly the kind of shit that old bad Orioles teams did. Yeah, like, that's yeah. the kind of shit. That is the team that the 2014 Orioles always lost to. This yeah. soft-tossing bullshit <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, with, like, a, you know, a combined ERA of nine uh, of the bad pitchers that we saw over those nine innings. Yeah. They three hit us. Yeah. They three mm -hmm. hit us. And when there was a moment for Orioles magic and Gunnar Henderson scratches out a two-out bottom of the ninth triple, yeah. like... The other Orioles magic player that has been doing so well for us just sort of like pops up weekly to the shortstop in the infield. And it was like that to me, especially given that I was optimistic that every single one of those nine innings was going to be the inning that the bats woke up. Yeah. Was yeah. like if deeply emotionally damaging. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. it took me back to a very dark place, and that was not the energy that I needed going into the Tampa Bay series. Yes. And again, especially, Smith, it has to be said when, at that point, that was our second consecutive loss, when, mm -hmm. like, every other contending team, with the possible exception of the Braves, like, every other, like, unquestionably excellent baseball team in the major leagues this year has, I don't know, like gotten swept <laughs> at least once this year. Like, yeah. um, we feel this way in spite of the overwhelming evidence to the contrary. There is this sense that like, no, 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 no. It's good. Like when the Drew Rom game happens, we're like, I see you. That's the real Orioles. That's the real Orioles. Exactly. And and not to get weird, but, like, what are we saying when that happens? We're like, I knew you were a bunch of losers. And who is that really directed at? That's directed at ourselves. Like, Very weird. It's very weird. That's directed yeah. at ourselves. And why do, we, why do we do that? And not to make the most Baltimoreans turn of all time, but it was inevitable. The thing I can't stop thinking about as we're having this conversation is you know this thing that happens at moments of intense political drama where you know uh, it, it's the heat of a presidential race and it, it's neck and neck between joe biden and donald trump and um there's like just a hailstorm of scandals coming out of uh, the Trump campaign. Meanwhile, by, let, I mean, this is 2020 Biden. Let's not talk about the whole Hunter Biden uh, situation and the UAW strike and everything. That's fodder for another podcast. Um, but a, a thing that happens often on the left, right, uh, it, as it were, is that 
we will kind of pull our hair out at the idea that anyone could not be convinced of how horrible Trump is. And we do this thing where we're like, don't these people look at Twitter? And of course they don't, though they wake up every day in a situation of economic distress and the failure of their local institutions. And they look around and they think like, this is reality. Like the, the narrative, uh, the, the poll numbers, those things are not the reality. What I'm living every day is the reality. You can't tell me that my lived experience is wrong. I'm going with the guy who is speaking more directly to my lived experience. Who, you know, whatever. And, and that's sort of what we do as Orioles fans. This is not, like, all I'm saying here is that I think it's, it's really important for us to always remember that, you know, StatCast is never going to replace the narrative. It, it like, it's never going to replace internal. But that's why I mentioned, internal... I, think, I think that's a really interesting metaphor. And that's why, well, a couple of things. <laughs> so first reaction is that didn't change with Biden-Trump because the fever didn't break. Mm-hmm. Right. Like the 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 fascist um, demagoguery fever continues on, right. even though the election went a certain way. So even though more people saw it my way than didn't, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. there was not the thing that we wanted, which was mm-hmm. a, um, a, a a unilateral like um, disavowal of um I think, you know, the, the, yeah, the fascist <laughs> underlyings of the far right of the Republican Party, right? Yeah. Like spade that didn't spade. happen. Spade spade. The fever, mm-hmm. the fever didn't break. Um, and now we're sitting around as a country debating whether an insurrection was an insurrection and a rebellion was a rebellion and whether or not the mm-hmm. 14th amendment applies when they use those words. But like, <laughs> uh, what I'm really curious about <laughs> and uh, there have been at moments of my life, other teams that I have cared a little bit about that have won championships. Um, none of those teams as much as the Baltimore Orioles. Um, mm-hmm. That's sort of like the Orioles and maybe the Spurs are like the two teams that I like have deeply attached my own personal mental well-being to. Um, and boy, has that been a bad choice in both cases. Um, <laughs> but what I'm really curious about is like, what happens if we win? Because I think you're right to say, like, there's a fundamental piece of identity here that is what I'm actually reflecting back when I say, oh, these Orioles are always losers and they're always going to be losers. And, like, that's me in some way saying, like, something about either I can't root for a winner or I don't ha- I don't get nice things or I don't deserve nice mm-hmm. things or, I, you know, I haven't put my exact finger on what I think that is, but I think that's there. And I think that that's like fascinating to me that it is not, as you say, counterbalanced by my two beautiful daughters and my lovely wife and my wonderful job and my beautiful home. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. 
you know, this is not my beautiful house. This is not my beautiful wife. Uh, I'm actually an Orioles fan. Um, what happens? <laughs> oh God! What happens if we, if we win this? If we win the World Series, Sam? Like, what happens? Do, do, does do, does that edifice crumble, or mm-hmm. like the Biden Trump election in 2020? Does the fever not break? And do I find something else emotionally to out there in the world to continue to validate this supposition that I shouldn't get nice things? Yeah. So the only other team that I think got even close to this for me and the other team I sort of grew up loving was the University of Virginia men's basketball program. And they were often very good. And then often um, uh, sort of like flamed out early. They were like, you know, the first, they're the first number one seed to ever be defeated by a number 16 seed in the NCAA tournament. Like they're like historically bad, um, historically good regular season, historically bad team. And then a couple of years ago, they won it. And they won it in like the most unrealistic way possible like every single game they were down by more than one point with less than one second left like it was it like it was statistically like they should have lost four in a row and they won all four of those games and they won the national championship and i'll tell you i have become less invested in the outcome of virginia men's basketball game since that point i Mm. really enjoyed that run i got a lot out of it and now i'm just like you know what guys thank you for that I hope you do well this year. I'll like check the stats. I'm not like, you know, I think college basketball is interesting because now I'm 40. So like I have no relationship to those people anymore. Like we're totally, it's a totally different thing. And like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not connected to them, but they're the same age as uh, Jackson. They're the same age as Gunnar Henderson. Like (laughs) there's no, there's no actual difference there in terms of, of, of that piece of thing. And I wonder, like, if the Orioles win the World Series, does that rebalance my emotional connection to this team? Well, here's what's here's what's interesting to me about what you just said. And, and let me know if I have the timing wrong on this. But if if I make the assumption that after that Cavs championship team, you, which happened when you were, how old were you when that happened? 37? When did they win? Oh, okay. Okay, okay, okay. Well, I guess, you know, it it almost seems like what you're saying is once they broke the narrative, once they broke the fever, I needed to pivot back to a form of fandom. 2019, so four years ago. 2019, okay. You moved on or returned to the the core components of your fandom, which are based on teams that you expect to lose like it it felt it felt more true to you like it it, it, it's almost like success made the fandom less appealing or like you were like let me go back to let me go back to my identity yeah let me go back to my spurs orioles uh part of parts of my identity because on some level it feels more true to me to be like, oh, it's not going to happen. Oh, God, everything's terrible. And I'm not saying that yeah. to judge you. Like, I, I do no, the no. same. I, I do the same thing. So, 
it is the 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 thing the two two thoughts about that i think that that's accurate one and then two i think that what i'm curious about is um uh the like you know the the uva men's basketball team and a couple other sports teams are like a distant distant third uh-huh. um or like a distant distant fourth i guess the u.s men's national soccer team still has the ability to jerk me around a little bit too but <laughs> um <laughs> the the yeah so like the it it's it's distant enough that i i'm i'm not sure like i never died as hard on the losses as i feel like i have with the uh mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. orioles yeah i mean for me what the other thing that comes up when you expressed all that is you said the phrase let's say we win the world series and as you said that this is going to sound like an oversimplification but like i have i I promise i'm being honest i have never once in my life consciously allowed myself to imagine that outcome i have never done it and that's not I, I think that is about more than the fact that the Orioles have only once won the World Series in my lifetime, and when they did, I was one year old. You know, like, <laughs> it's about something more than that. Like, I have never even dared to let myself picture that moment. And if I'm honest with you, Smith, what is behind that is the sense that if they lose, that's more familiar. In a weird way, it's yeah. more comforting for me for them to continue to be the way they have always been, which is like sure. full of promise, but ultimately a little bit disappointing. But the, isn't, because, but isn't because that, but that's isn't that how sort of I like feel a, about myself. Right, right. And isn't that somehow like a fundamentally um, like, like slightly um, conservative um, pressure that mm-hmm. both of us like keep on our like it, uh, like change is bad what is happening right now maybe isn't the best but it's familiar and i know it and thus it is something that like i kind of secretly deep in my heart hope hope never changes yeah exactly exactly and th- the other moment that it, or, or thing that is coming to mind for me in this moment is You've seen The Princess Bride. One of the most, I think, uncannily affecting parts of that movie, which is an emo movie. <laughs> um, is, do you I was actually the in part... a production of The Princess Bride when I was in seventh grade. Oh, my God. Who did you play? The Mountain. Ooh. Andre the Giant. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I had perfect. cool stilts. Well, okay. One, I need to know much more about this (laughs) chapter of your life, which I somehow didn't know about. I can't believe you've kept this for me. But two, maybe you even got to say the line that I'm that I'm thinking of, which is like the, the part of that movie that kills me the most every time is. I'm going to get upset just talking about this. They're going to storm the castle. And the odds against them are overwhelming. There is no way that they are successfully going to rescue Princess Buttercup from, like, Humperdinck and his, like, vast 
infinitely superior army. And they come up with this cockamamie plan <laughs> with the Holocaust cloak, and they're going to yeah. wheel Andre the you. They're going to wheel, wheel Fezzik in on the cart and light him on fire, and that's somehow going to terrify everybody, and they're going to scatter. And like you know, it's a it you know, it's like a Luke Skywalker somehow blows up the Death Star sort of moment. And Inigo's shoulder is injured. Like Inigo is Ryan Mountcastle in this scenario. (laughs) (laughs) And they, they go through all of the preparation and they're, they're about to like do the plan. And Fezzik looks at Inigo and he goes, Inigo, I hope we win. <laughs> yeah. Amigo. Amigo. I yeah. hope we win. Yeah. And that is the best I can muster. Like <laughs> I hope we win. But but we're all acknowledging by saying that that um it takes a simpleton's mindset to um to <laughs> believe that that is possible. <laughs> yes. Yes. Hmm. Well, Sam, uh, fortunately, we're only on game one of what promises to be, uh, oh I think, seven consecutive incredibly high-pressure games, uh, because then we have the Astros yeah. next, right? Um, oh, good. Yeah. So that will, I'm so that glad be, that... Um, uh, so this is the state, Baltimore, and this is the state you find us in one game in to <laughs> this pressure cooker yeah. of a September death r- a run-in. Um, which is not even what's going to happen when we actually start playing October baseball, because you're right. We're probably going to do that, even if it's not as AL East champions. Um, All of that leaves me with the following, I think, extraordinarily important question for you, Sam, to take into this week of of destiny. Oh, do tell. Um, Yes. And maybe next week we can talk about what week of destiny suggests for Sam and I. But uh, my question (laughs) for you is, what would you call um, former... Mm. Orioles uh, outfield prospect, you know, sort of DH outfield hmm. prospect, um, Henry Urudia. <laughs> if oh, yes, he yes, had, I remember him. If he uh, was um, part of a um, very early pre-industrial, but also pre-farming um, civilization who had not yet understood... <laughs> Uh, the intricacies of uh, uh, animal husbandry or or, or uh, um, grain farming. What would you call Henry Urudia in such a hunter gatherer situation? Mm, mm, mm. Um, I, ooh, let's see. Uh, uh, I I don't know. I I I just I just don't know, Smith. You would call him Henry gathers berries and roots rudia. <laughs> roots roots dia? Roots dia. <laughs> how fitting, how fitting of a closing note for an episode where we're talking about the roots of our psychosis. <laughs> go O's, please. Jack Flaherty. Please go O's. Jack we have Flaherty. a lot. We have, as you have heard, we have a lot riding on your start, Jack Flaherty. I I need you like I've never needed anyone, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
all to morons. Here they go.